This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Jan Arden Podcast. We are well into season two. Hello, Sarah Burke. Hello, Adam Karsh. How are you, Sarah? Hello. I'm good. I'm, I'm noticing that you look you look very nice, Jan. Uh, our text thread this morning is, guys, we got a shower today. We got a big guest. <laughs> we do. Tessa Virtue. And I'm not going to lie. I, uh, Yeah, I can, I'm crushing on Tessa Virtue. I'm crushing on Tessa Virtue. <laughs> what person alive wouldn't be crushing on Tessa Virtue? And I'll tell you what. Tessa Virtue from Olympic fame, her and Scott, the, they absolutely crushed it in the Winter Olympics in the Paris figure skating. I, I feel like I, I could launch into all these things about her, but everyone knows who she is. She's always on your television. She's always on the cover of magazines. She's making this seamless foray into so many different things in her life, and she's going to talk about all those things with us. But yeah, she is so nice, you guys. She's so lovely. She's as cute and as be- beautiful. Do you find that? She's so beautiful and she's so cute. Yeah. And you know what? I'll tell you, I maybe, maybe she remembers me. I'm not really sure, but I did meet her back when I did radio. We're going to find out. Yeah. Back when I did radio in London, Ontario, her and Scott, like they were local celebs, right? So they were always into the radio station. One of my girlfriends at the radio station did some like charity thing where she had to dance with Scott. And I remember the rumor swirling and all these things. But anyway, Tessa was always a sweetheart whenever I, I saw her. Oh, I'm sure she's been asked about that a million <laughs> times. I'll, I'll, I'll try and ask her about that. So how, how has your week been? A um, lot of snow here, mm-hmm. not going to lie. And I didn't have heat in my house for four days. Oh, no, your vocal so it was, cords. It, it was, uh, and I'm not worried about that. I'm like a battleship when it comes to vocal cords. <laughs> I'm not precious about it at all. But it was 11 degrees in my bedroom. Thank God I have a gas fireplace in my bedroom. Beauty. My geothermal went out, and then some kind of fan went out on my boiler, which the geothermal in my house needs the, I don't understand anything. <laughs> I said, hey, can you come, can you drop by and fix my boiler? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> and boy, they show up. Um, but, you know, they're the sweetest guys. And the, and the, the guy that does uh, the plumbing, geez, now I just feel, now I'm just going oh, red because I feel like everything <laughs> I'm saying is just making this worse. But they have been coming to this house for 10 years. And I still make the mistake, and girls follow along with me here, of asking them, what the problem is. Why do I even say it? Why do I say, so what's going on? Is it fixable? Can I do it myself next time? (laughs) They go into this thing where I'm standing there and I'm clearly like floating out of my body because I don't know what they're saying. And I, and then I finally say, I didn't really mean to ask you that. Like, I don't care what's wrong. Is it fixable? I think that was my question. So, yeah, I've been dealing with that. Last night, it got fixed, and I slowly felt the heat coming in through the floorboards. Nice. And, oh, my God, it's been so nice. What did the pioneers do? <laughs> How do they live in the sod houses? My God, you think about that, though. What in the hell did they endure? Did they just wake up dead? They woke up dead. They were frozen solid. 
<laughs> that's why they had sex all the time. They had sex. That's why they had 14 kids because they covered themselves with children. <laughs> they took their children and they laid children on top of each other because they had no blankets. Honey, pass me Arthur. Put him on my feet. <laughs> <laughs> hey Adam, tell Jan the te- tell tell Jan the temperature in Toronto right now. So it's Thursday afternoon as we're recording. It's 18 degrees right now. 18 degrees. <laughs> minus 25 here. Minus 25. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, minus 25. God. Yeah, I was thinking about going for a bike ride when we finish up. We'll see what happens. Oh, okay. Well, why don't you just go do that, Sarah? <laughs> One thing I'll tell you about this kind of weather, no matter where you go, your breasts are like weapons. Okay. You could you could you could cut through your jacket. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> no, it's just I just like sure. you know. I'm a 60 year old woman, and the cold air. You know, it's not so great for men and their equipment. You know, the, they always no. say, "Oh, the water was cold." That's my why my weenie looks so small. But women, it's just like your breasts. They come from way down close to your navel, and they just suddenly come boing up on top of your chest. And they are there. They're like, oh, my God, I'm like 25 years old again because of this cold weather. I'm always like when when my boyfriend's here and like, you know, he likes the air conditioning really, really like cold. I'm always like, um, no, I'm kind of cold. Like, honey, look, like this is this is not good temperature yeah. for me. Yeah. I'm going through T-shirts like crazy here, sweetheart. But listen, this is this is the worst lead up to our beautiful guest today. Um, Tessa is going out with a certain fella from the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm going to leave that to Sarah to kind of delve into that. And uh, But there's so many things we want to talk to her about with her, like I was talking about, all this business stuff she's been doing and, you know, how she manages that. She's got, like, a lot of um, partnerships and, like, she's basically become – I almost, I hate to use the word influencer because I often associate the influencer people with something that's not authentic. She's an authentic influencer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, she really is. And she's lovely. You're going to not want to, you know, leave. Make sure you stick around for this conversation. And uh, we promise to be very respectful. And, um, but yeah, it's just lovely. So yeah, you're listening to the Jan Arden podcast. I'm here with Adam and Sarah. Here we go with our conversation with the lovely Tessa Virtue. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's, it's, we're going to make this as painful as we possibly can. We're going to ask those questions that are just like, I'm so sick of people. No, we're not going to do that. How, how are things in your life? You are on the move. Anyone looking at your social media, you have done so much stuff throughout the last I mean, really, ever since the Olympics, your branding partnerships, the television commercials, the fashion shoots, the covers of magazines. Um, tell me about what it was like launching from a lifelong career on the ice to suddenly being faced with a lot more variety in Tessa Virtue's day-to-day life because it wasn't about skating. It wasn't about practicing. It wasn't about that constant grind. It was a whole new thing. So what the heck? (laughs) Well, thanks for that intro and bring on the hard-hitting questions. I'm ready. Uh, Fire away. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) I'm I'm so happy. I said earlier, I'm such a big fan. So so this is delightful to, to join you. But that transition was an interesting one. In some ways, in most ways, it was really refreshing because it was so liberating to 
go from this singular focus into being able to say yes to multiple different projects and passions and whether that was school or work or diving into the corporate realm, all of it just felt like I was ready for that shift. And now, especially that I'm four and a half years out, I feel like things are sort of seamlessly integrating. Um, everything is starting to make sense. I'm starting to feel like I've really found my rhythm and that's also just lovely. But I mean, you, Jen, you would have experienced something similar, whether that's writing, music, writing and acting um, with the show and now the podcast. I mean, you're so multifaceted that you're probably in a constant state of transition. Is that fair? You know, I, I don't know. I just, I'm thinking about, I mean, I've never been athletic in my life. I think I played basketball in high school and a little bit of badminton, but I think the rigors of the physical part of a person's human life and then going, and, and maybe you've always been a business person and you have to have, I think people make assumptions about athletes. And that is, that's their one trick pony and that's what they do. But we've seen now really over the last 15 years that the, you guys are moguls. You have multi, multi-million dollar companies. They're doing advertising. Advertisers seem to like the branding. They like your determination, your steadfastness, how people perceive you. Like you, you can do no wrong. I, I think you've somehow managed to navigate a really challenging world because there's no, there's no crap talk about you, Tessa. Oh, I'm sure there's plenty. But I mean, just the day-to-day of celebrity life of people that are making missteps constantly. And I don't know, and I'm sure you've got, you know, a few skeletons in the closet, but you are filled with joy. You are outwardly very positive. And I can see exactly why Nivea, for example, just these companies wanted, they want to show their best face and put their best foot forward. Has it been surprising to you how many offers that you've had to field? You must have a team of people around you helping you. Do is that is that a positive thing in your life to have a great team of people directing you? I mean, I'm a one-woman show at the moment. I don't you are. Have, I don't have any help uh, at, at this moment. Um, I'm just separated from my management team, and and most mostly um, along the way, I felt like it was important to me to. I mean, maybe this is because I'm a bit of a control freak and I'm used to being my own boss and I'm used to doing things in my own way that I've, I've found it to be much more fulfilling when I'm directly in touch with these brands and every partnership I've built has been sort of um, a, a genuine collaboration where it's not just sort of shilling a product, but it's actually understanding, okay, so who's our target audience and what's our strategy and how are we implementing this and, you know... Um, is this landing and how can we pivot and change things? And, and, you know, that business side of, of wanting to be savvy and wanting to learn and wanting to understand the different facets of that corporate landscape that came pretty naturally. And I've tried to back it up with some academic pursuits as well, but I think part of that's being Canadian. I don't know if you'd agree with that, but I mean, like we're so lucky to be here and everyone's kind and lovely and so supportive and especially of our athletes. And part of that is just trusting that, if I can be my true self and if I have a set of values that, you know, really I hold tightly, then decisions are made pretty easily. And I'm able to align myself with people who feel and work and act similarly. Did you ever find yourself in a position where like it didn't feel aligned, a partnership? Yes. 
I remember doing one interview and it was, I don't do many one-off things, but it, I think it was a one-off thing. And, and I was sitting there and they were trying to get me to say something like stoked. Like I was really stoked to, <laughs> to do something. And I said, like, I, I hear you. I, I'm just not a casual person. I'm not, I, I'm very formal in the way that I speak, even just with my friends. And so I was like, it just doesn't, just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. And, and they were really pushing for things like that or for me to present in a, in a different way. And I remember thinking, okay, yeah, this is a lesson learned. <laughs> we're going to be right back. You're listening to the Jan Arden podcast. Don't go away. back. Jan Arden here, Jan Arden podcast and show. Tessa Virtue is with us, Sarah Burke, Adam Karsh. Um, isn't it great that you have that instinct inside of you and the confidence to say, no, I'm not going to say that. Do you know how many people, women, men that get into situations where they feel they really like, oh, I'm going to do it because I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want people, I don't want to disappoint anybody. So how, where do you find that confidence to do that? Well, I was encouraged to take assertiveness training classes when I was young um, because I'm such a people pleaser and I'm a perfectionist and I tend to manage other people's emotions. I'm really working on this right now because I just, um, I I take it on and I feel responsible for those around me. And, um, you know, that was something that I struggled with in the 22-year partnership with Scott. And early on, someone had this intervention and said, I think they worked in um, Sport Canada, maybe, and, and she advised that I that I take some training. What does that entail? Part of that is just practice, and it's funny because I think I really then developed that in the business um, capacity. Maybe not so much personally, although um, that's evolved. Uh, but part of that's just practicing, you know, speaking up in the right way and learning how to communicate and learning to be self-aware enough to identify some of the feelings that I would have suppressed um, or when I sublimated my own needs for others, I think just being aware of that and acting on it. So that, that partnership with Scott was such a perfect playground within which to, to practice those kind of strategies and techniques. And, um, you know, eventually we developed a really effective way of communicating. But when you ask about, you know, feeling comfortable and in, in speaking up, I mean, I think, Early, early on, I wrote a, a mission statement personally and professionally, like really, really young. And that gave me this sense of confidence in being able to walk into a room and, and say no to executives who wanted me to be a certain thing or to be a, a certain way. And maybe that's part of being in figure skating when it's that balance between the technical ability and the aesthetic component where there were, you know, so many opinions on how I should look and act and behave and, you know, how I should skate and what I should wear, what I should dye my hair. You know, there were just so many opinions that at some point I just needed to tune out a lot of that noise. I think that's probably the biggest hurdle when you, when you go into these different parts of business, no matter what business that you're in, is to be able to stand up for yourself. I think a lot of people look at you and think, Oh, I wish I could do that. You you really have made it seem very easy and kind of seamless, but I doubt very much that is. How do you feel behind a camera? Like obviously you've done dozens of photo shoots. That has become a huge part, obviously, is the visual part of all these campaigns. And so I'm sure that you are able to go not wearing that, not doing that, not comfortable in that. I don't want my hair 
in Princess Leia buns. Thank you very much. I'm sure it's a great idea for you, but I don't want to do that. Do you, do you ever in the back of your mind worry about, I'm going to lose this job if I don't do this? Like, do you meet people halfway or is it really the Tessa virtue? This is where my line is and I'm not moving it. Is there any way that you would move that line to keep those jobs and to keep the client happy? It's a very interesting question. Again, I think um, I always preface any kind of shoot by saying I'm not a model. I'm not paid to just show up and and be kind of molded into what you need me to be. I, I come as my own brand and entity. And I think hopefully that's part of why I'm hired to do things. So I'm pretty firm on on staying true to that and and. I've never really been pushed over the line. I think sometimes creatively you have to trust a vision if someone has it, but I've never worried about missing out on opportunities like that because I'm happy to walk away. Like being relevant doesn't, that's not the most important thing in my life. And I think I'm, I'm very ready. I feel like I've already overextended my welcome (laughs) in the Canadian landscape. And as far as like, I'm four and a half years out of the Olympics and I can't believe that um, I still get to work get to do the work that I do and get to work with brands. And um, so I feel like everything's just sort of a bonus and I'm ready to step, you know, into the background when that time comes and when that feels right. So I'm, I'm not frightened by that. You don't give yourself enough credit. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're going to be ever evolving uh, and it's going to be so interesting to watch you do the stuff that you're going to do. We're going to talk about a lot more with you. If, if you can stay with us for another few minutes, we'd love it. We're here with the wonderful Tessa Virtue. When uh, people found out that I was going to get a chance to talk to you, of course the relationship stuff comes up, but you're not exempt. I get asked about that stuff all the time. You know, oh, you saw, I saw you with... Blah, blah, blah. It's, it, is, it is like a deafening kind of a buzz around my life all the time. I'm just curious to know how you handle that. Okay. How do I handle it? Do you know what? I'm usually quite transparent, but I always find in relationships, Tessa, I don't mind talking about my half of it, but the other person who does not want anything to do with entertainment, and I'm not in a relationship right now. I've been single for a while. The other person, I can't speak on their behalf. So that has kind of always been my out. I'm just like, you're going to have to ask them if you can find out, A, who it is and if they'll ever talk to you. But I just, um, yeah, I, it, it's not an easy thing to speak to because, you know, a lot of times we see people falling in love. We watch sort of the progression of their relationship and and there's some kind of an engagement and then, you know, they're married for three weeks and then it's all over. So I think when you're a public person, it's very difficult having any kind of, you can't move either way, forward, backward, sideways, without somebody speculating on your emotional status. Well, it's it's an interesting place for you to be because, and I mean this in the best way, you would be threatening <laughs> and intimidating, you know, for someone to approach or for someone to spark a conversation or ask for a date or something. Yes. So yes. it kind of weeds out some people, I, I, I presume. It absolutely weeds people out because I think they would make assumptions like, oh, I could never go up and talk to her. And I'm sure you experienced that in your life is just like when you were single or available 
And when people weren't constantly speculating about you and Scott for, you know, 15 years of your relationship and sort of picking away at that, that I'm sure there were those moments where like, should I go talk to her? No, she'd never talk to me. And it's missed opportunities. But now, I mean, you are in a relationship, are you not? I am, yes. And also when this other person is in also the spotlight to a certain degree, that now you're doubling down. Now you're sitting at the table, you know, pushing all your chips in. So he's getting it from his side. You're getting it from your side. And people never think about your family and your friends and how they're kind of somehow exposed to this just through osmosis of knowing you. How are those conversations like with your family, with your close friends of, do you direct them how they can talk about your relationships or do you just know them like they got me, they got my back? I think everyone in our circle knows that we're really private and we just try and keep something that is maintained just for us. And we really protect that. And Morgan's, you know, actually much better at this than I am. It also doesn't change the way we live our lives. You know, we're not, we're not going to hide and we're not, you know, going to great lengths to avoid any, you know, that attention, but, but we really take great caution at the same time in, in preserving this little thing that exists just between us and, and our family and friends totally understand that. And and we're really lucky. They, they really support that. If there's anyone listening, we should maybe just give a little context, Morgan Riley of the Toronto Maple Leafs. (laughs) Sarah. I quickly have to say though, that like, I'm also really interested to know, you know, at the beginning of your relationship, how you set the boundaries with each other. It was interesting because I remember one weekend he was coming from Vancouver to Toronto. We were, it was early days and we were going to spend some time together in Toronto. And we had that conversation of, are we comfortable walking down the street holding hands? Are we comfortable if someone stops us on the street and and to take a picture? And where do we draw the line? And, And to that end, you know, I think that's where we decided we wouldn't change the way we wanted to live our lives, but we also have never been prepared to put that on blast um, ourselves. And I think we decided that if we came together for a purpose, it needed to be for causes that we really believed in. If we were going to leverage that relationship in any kind of way, it needed to be to do some good. And, um, you know, we've been able to stay pretty true to that. Um, and interestingly, especially early days, our demographics were so different <laughs> that people might stop me on the street and have no idea who he was and vice versa. Um, and I kind of marvel at that, uh, the sport fandom in that they don't really want to dive deeply into information, but it's life. They just want to say like, oh, have a good game, bro. Like, go get them. <laughs> so that's kind of a beautiful thing as well. <laughs> we're going to be right back. You're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. Don't go away. Back. Jan Arden here, Jan Arden podcast and show. Tessa Virtue is with us, Sarah Burke, Adam Karsh. Do you guys have similar likes? Like, do you like the same movies? Are you are you into like similar foods? How easy was that to kind of delve into early days? I hate the part of getting to know people in a relationship. I want to skip to the middle. I don't like the falling in love. I don't like the, I can't eat, sleep, think. I'm just, I feel f- frustrated. I'm scared to eat a Caesar salad in front of this person in case it doesn't go right. Like how, was was it an easy kind of entrance into 
that life and did he make it easy for you and did you make it easy for him? It was incredibly easy. I mean, in some ways we had all of the butterflies and still do of, you know, a new relationship. And in a lot of ways it feels like we've already been married for 30 years. So it's, um, I heard my mom say the other day, I heard my mom sort of describing him to someone as that were very, very similar. So maybe that helped. (laughs) There is, is there a, a form of paparazzi in Canada? Like, is there a paparazzi? Do you ever come out of a restaurant and there's freaking someone there with a long lens trying to capture you guys? Because I know they've been trying to get the hand-holding shot and the, is there a ring shot and all of that stuff. But it, it can't be as bad as the States, Tessa. Yeah, if there is, I mean, we're certainly not cool enough to warrant that kind of attention. <laughs> I think in Canada, you have to phone them. Hi, Jan's going to be at the bowling alley. She'll be coming out at uh, 10, 12. (laughs) Yeah, Jan is at the A&W. She will be out. Uh, She's going there now. You might want to get a shot with her with her Beyond Meat burger. Jan, we'll stage some paparazzi (laughs) together. We'll go out. We'll have some girl time and we'll stage something where it seems fair. Tessa Virtue, I'm going to hold you to that. Let's do it. And and Morgan can just pretend to like be aghast uh, that you're out with me at, at A&W or something, but we'll, we'll figure it out. There's been talk for a while um, of a bowling game between us and maybe Arlene was in the mix that there was, I, I, who was the fourth? There's been talk about this for a long time. So we need to make it happen. Yeah, we do need to make it happen. I, I'm, I'm quite good though. <laughs> I don't want to uh, <laughs> watch out. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to brag, but uh, I, I do a mean, if I can find the right ball in 10 pin, is that still a thing now, even after COVID, sticking your fingers in like mystery holes in a ball? Is that happening again? I think it's still happening. I've been bowling this summer. It is. Oh, wow. I mean, I yeah. think I hand sanitized after every single time I bowled, but yeah, it is a thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, do you do you cook, uh, Tessa? Or does does Morgan cook? Like, is there, Do you guys like to stay at home and just make meals and Netflix and chill, as they say? We love staying in. He's a much better cook than I am. So if that's happening, it's on. Wow. Okay. Do you like to cook? I love to cook. I really do love to cook. And since becoming, I've been vegan for about seven years now. And so I've, I'm still on a learning curve, but there's so many great like links out there to people making, they're, they're, they're copying everything. They're copying your favorite foods at Earl's or at, you know, Thank God it's not Fridays or whatever. They're, they're copying all these restaurant classics, Alfredo's and burgers. And, you know, someone, I was watching a, a link the other day, someone was making a, like a Big Mac, the veganized version of a Big Mac from the sauce to the, to the bun, to the whole thing. One of my favorite things to do though, is I love to go out for dinner and, you know, two or three, four friends, nothing big, but it, it, honest to God, when I started making money, Tessa, like when I first started making a little bit of money, I was like, oh my God, I can go to this restaurant and I can sit here and pretend that I'm, I'm actually someone and I can order stuff. It was a really big deal for me to go to nice restaurants. And I still really am so mind boggled when I, when I go to a nice place and when I don't think about how much something costs on the menu. And I think I'll be that kid. I, we didn't, I, my parents had no money. I mean, I didn't grow up with dirt floors or anything, but my dad was a construction guy. My mom worked the whole time we were growing up and doing things that 
thing, anything like that, that's special. I still have to pinch myself. Do you ever have to pinch yourself that your career has been real, that the life that you've curated for yourself is real? There's got to be a lot of gratitude there. Absolutely. And I think it's great that you stop and savor those moments. It's so important. And, and I certainly try and do the same and, and, you know, not about material things at all, but it's just having the opportunity and the privilege of working towards something. I stopped taking money from my parents when I was 15 and and worked really, really hard to buy properties and invest and um, kind of build a little nest egg. And it's never lost on me that, that I was, privileged to be given the chance to hustle like that, you know, and, and, um, you know, you realize just how quickly that can also be taken from you too. So it's something that, um, I certainly cherish and, um, see it as a representation of so much more. Yeah. You're always worried that someone's going to take it away from you, right? Just that it's going to be taken away somehow. You get to a point it's like, oh, the other shoe's going to drop and I'm going to wake up from this stream. Things are going too well. Yeah, Sarah, exactly. Yeah, that's a healthy perspective, though. How so? Well, I mean, I, th- I would think that's better than Jan Arden waltzing into a fancy restaurant and pretending like you own the joint or, you know, you know or getting lost. I want to buy that painting. <laughs> right. And bring me caviar. Yeah. Right. No, there, there's, there's nothing more kind of offensive than, than people that do make their way through lives uh, yeah. with a, a sense of entitlement. It's not a good look. And um, it's not an attractive look. You can be the best looking person in the world. And and if you carry that around your neck, it's just, I think everyone, me certainly, I want to cut a wide swath, not somebody I want to walk up to at a party. Um, What kind of a kid were you growing up? Like I don't, uh, early days, I know skating was such a huge part of your childhood. Do you have, you know, memories of school where you weren't busting your ass all the time? And that you could enjoy just being a kid and sitting behind a desk and having your lunch and having, you know, friends. You grew up in London, Ontario, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, where I used to do radio. That's the first time I met Tessa, yeah. And I remember that, by the way. You're, you've always had such a, like, you radiate positivity. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes, she does. And just, you were so warm and welcoming and just just so genuine and lovely. So, And you still are, obviously. Well, same to you. And she gets shit done. What a combo. Sarah Burke, it's like, it's done. It's there. Here's this, this, and this. Back to the interview, guys. Tessa, growing up in London, how was that? <laughs> I grew up in London, yeah. I mean, I was such a little bruiser growing up, quite a tomboy. I'm the youngest of four kids, um, two older brothers and an older sister. And we were really, really athletic as a family, very busy and physically active. And it was always important to my mom that my sister and I, who are younger, we're not just following my brothers around to hockey rinks, football stadiums, and you know baseball tournaments. That we had our own activities, and I was a bit of a ham. I liked being in front of the camera. I liked performing. I was always imitating people. So my family always laughs like I was always at home as a waitress. You know, for some reason I would have the Britney Spears mic. I'm not sure why I thought waiters. Well, uh, yeah, the takeout window, you would have had the microphone. So you were a takeout window uh, server. Yeah, dream big. And, or I was a gymnastics coach and I had emulated my coach just so perfectly right down to the kind of gum she chewed. And so I I had a big imagination and I was a big thinker and dreamer even then. But 
skating up serious pretty quickly. So um, I think from the time I was in grade four, I was a part-time student basically, uh, which probably explains why I'm still chasing um, academics in the way that I am. But Jan, don't you feel like you're, you're seeing like somebody who's still so down to earth, even though it's, it's crazy how connected to your roots you are. Absolutely. And that, and that you can't fake that. And I think when mm-hmm. people do try and fake that, it's very disingenuous and it, it, it's, I think it's got something to do with being Canadian and I think it's got something to do with dealing with very long winters and kind of having a lot of time to yourself to, to think. Um, have you ever, ever dealt with anxiety in your career, like standing there waiting for the door to open and going out and having a stadium full of people and more so with the Olympics, having a billion plus eyes on you as you perform. I've heard so much about what athletes go through to manage that, those kinds of nerves. What, 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 did you have some tricks? Did you and Scott share in that? Was it great to have a partner that helped share that load? Absolutely. I could never have done it if I was a single skater. And and I don't know, even though you're the one at, in in front of the band, Jan, I imagine at least having the band and feeling like a crew would be an extraordinary help. And we were the same in a lot of ways, in the weird kind of sick way, those nerves and that anxiety was what fueled us. And that elation of kind of getting through to the other side. I remember just loving to perform for an audience and connecting with the audience in my junior days. But when we got into the higher ranks and when things got more and more serious, I connected less with that element of the sport and more with the mental preparation of gearing up for a competition and needing to be our best at one specific moment in time and, you know, building these resilience tactics of setting ourselves up for success to, you know, even when things were terrible, that we could still be competitive and we could still perform at a certain level. So that really, and I mean, now I'm studying positive psychology, so it's it's not surprising that that ignited something in me. But I think I it wasn't so much the anxiety about performing, it was the pressure of competing. And it was also one of my favorite things about it. Were you relieved when it was over? Yes. And, and I mean that in the most lovely way. I don't mean like eye roll, like, oh, I can finally get off this train, but just the relief of the training the mental preparation. The pressure. Yeah, the pressure, that constant pressure. Yeah, and I think it's like anything, right? I mean, at the end of this season of the podcast, there'll be some sort of letdown of, oh, okay, well, that goal has been achieved or, you know, you wrap up a season of your show or a tour. There's a letdown after anything you're building towards. And, and that's a very real thing. And so often when you get to that culmination, that pivotal moment, the peak, you're just plain exhausted <laughs> and your yeah. body is oh my, yeah so it's like it's yeah you want to enjoy that that moment that you've been striving for but I, I'm grateful that we figured out at least before the end of our career that it wasn't that moment of standing on the podium that was really the most gratifying part it was the process of of working hard and coming together and creating something and you know challenging ourselves and exploring potential. It was all of those things and not the medal or that moment. Is there something you have your sights on that you haven't done and you haven't tried? Like something, whether it's banal, whether it's zip lining, and I don't even mean bucket list, but something for you personally, for Tessa Virtue, like I'd really like to accomplish that, whether it's acting or 
I feel like acting, bring the little Britney Spears mic back. I could see it. <laughs> oh, gosh, no. I would be such a terrible actress. I would be awful. Um, although maybe a holiday movie. I would love that. Ho- let, let, is anyone listening? I'm going, <laughs> I am Tessa's agent. Please contact yeah. me. Um, no, honestly, I'm doing it right now. Um, 11 years ago or in 2000. It was 2011, I think, not long after the Vancouver Olympics. I took a positive psychology class at university uh, then in Windsor. And I became a real little disciple. And I took my positive psych textbook with me to every competition. And I loved it. And for you know, from that time, I promised myself one day I'll go to UPenn and do the Masters of Applied Positive Psychology. And holy crap. I'm doing it. I'm doing it now. And I'm so I just feel like I'm right where I should be. And I'm and I'm studying something that is so applicable in all domains and realms of life. But um, I've lived so many of the principles in practice of positive psychology and thriving and flourishing and flow and mindsets. And and now to get the academia and the data and research and science behind it just feels like it's breathing new life into everything I am. And, and it so seamlessly kind of integrates into my work with Deloitte, which is around high performance and well-being. So I feel right now I have a lot of those pinch me moments of I can't believe I'm actually doing this and studying at such a prestigious school. And, and I feel so grateful. It's fantastic to learn. Before we let you go, uh, we, when we asked some of our guests this about school lunches. I don't know if you ever took a lunch kit to school uh, I, I have a feeling you might have been sent with a, a, a kid or a paper bag. Can you remember what you had in those lunches? And, and uh... Was it Kellogg's in <laughs> London, Ontario? <laughs> um, the first thing that comes to mind is on Fridays, my mom would pack like a junk lunch Friday. So it was just all... Oh, I love your mom. Fun. I know. She used to make, and this is terrible now that I think a bit about it, but she used to take like white Wonder Bread slab on some butter and just put sugar and fold it over and that would be like a real sandwich sorry kate i'm really airing out the the dirty laundry yeah i mean not in the regular but that was like a thing that we had as a as kids i can't that's the last thing i thought would come out of your mouth jessa butter and sugar and you know how many people are going to try that now i can uh, you know what you've just caused Adam's like, I'm doing it. I'm making what? So what, white bread, butter, and sugar. Do you do you fry it? Do you just that's it? That's it. It's squishy. It's so good. But I mean, otherwise, my I was with my grandma mostly. My both my parents worked all the time, and I I spent my you know childhood days mostly with my grandma, and we were very very close. And she was an amazing cook, and would made the best lunches, and would cut off the crusts, and everything would just be labeled and prepared so beautifully. So uh, that was always fun. What about Morgan's best meal? Sorry, I have to ask. Because you said he Morgan's does the cooking. Morgan's best meal. Well, I have a soft spot for the first thing he ever made me, which was a chicken parm. Um, but he's really good. He's so good with the barbecue. He he loves learning about new recipes, and he dives into a passion like that. And then he he's so good at kind of following along and executing and then playing around. He's much more adventurous than I am that way. I would be you know, strictly following a recipe and... I joke that part of the reason I'm actually doing this master's is because I said after doing my MBA that I would go at, just as something different, I would take some cooking classes. And uh, the, the joke is that I'm actually just doing another master's program to avoid that. Well, Tessa Virtue, I would love to have you here with Sarah and Adam and I for like the rest of the season on this podcast, but I hope you'll come back and talk to us sometime. 
And, you know, we're always here for any scoops that you want to give us with, with Morgan. You know, you can always just call me up and say, Jan, I, I have an announcement to make. <laughs> uh, and I want your show to be, you know, where it's landing. But I just wish you all the happiness in the world and continued success. You inspire a lot of people. Thank you so much. Well, yeah, you're amazing. Uh, what a lovely group of people. Thank you so much for having me. And to that point, Jan, I mean, I, this is the most I've ever spoken publicly about a relationship. So this is the place. This is the place to be. <laughs> well, uh, we can we we can relate to the difficulties of that. But we are going to uh, I, I'm I'm going to make sure that the cameraman that we've hired does not go through with what Sarah Burke wanted him to do. Uh, he's waiting outside <laughs> in the on. bushes at your house. No, no. Hey, Jim, we got to be real about one thing. Okay. The network, is, the network associated the network. With, yep. this pod, yes. with this podcast, they were they were sending us emails with a, a long train of a Twitter thread of your biggest fans zooming in on your finger. So I feel like we, we have to ask that one question before you leave. And if you tell us to take it out, we will, absolutely will. I didn't ask this, Tessa. This came from Sarah Burke. And you, and you can tell me to go away. Sorry, what's the question specifically? She wants to know if you're engaged. I don't want to say no. I don't want to say yes. I love a good maybe. You know, relationships aren't what they used to be. It's not like you meet somebody and, you, and you, you're in a five-year engagement. My friends were engaged for 21 years. I am not kidding you. My friend Nigel got married after 21 years and I couldn't go to the wedding, which seemed kind of pointless at that time. Like, are, am I really going to go to your, but I couldn't cause I was touring. But, uh, you know, I, I think, I don't even know if I would get married Tessa. So I, I really don't know. I think even if I met this perfect person, I keep saying, Hey, I don't want to live with anyone in my house. Like they have to have their own house and their own stuff. Like I'm so but I'm, I'm getting old now. I'm getting so set in my ways. Sarah, you, someone's going to have to talk me down off this, this ledge. I support you no matter what you do, Tessa. And just, I'm going to put this out there before we finally say goodbye. Um, I will sing at any kind of ceremony that you have. I make this promise on national radio right now. I will sing for you and Morgan a song of your choice. I will get myself there. I'll have a little trio whether it's at the reception or at a family gathering or if it's in Morgan's parents' house, I will be there to sing for you if you guys decide to bolt the door. Vegan chicken parm. Yeah, right. That is amazing. Thank you, Jen. And we didn't even get to talk about the fact that I saw you perform in London. One of my brother's ex-girlfriends took me when I was quite young, and it was one of the best concerts I've ever seen. And since then, your music has sort of provided this like beautiful, calm respite place for me to feel understood and to, you know, it's it's just such beautiful quality music. And, and I am taken back to that time when I went with uh, Jen in London and you've always just been a favorite of mine. So that means a lot. And I will take you up on that. Well, thank you. Consider it done. Ladies and gentlemen, Tessa Virtue has been our guest today. We're so grateful to you. Continued success and happiness in everything that you do. And uh, we can't wait to see what's next. And um, thank you from the bottom Thanks of our heart. Thanks for being so inspiring. Oh, yeah, honest. God. This was lovely. It's this been great. Fun. Thank you, Tessa. We'll, we'll see you next time. Thanks for having me. Well, that was Tessa Virtue. And what can I tell you? She was fantastic. Sarah, what did you think of that conversation? 
Like, um, she's amazing and she's so down to earth. I can't get over how down to earth she is with all of, you know, the things that she, all her accomplishments. And she's so sweet. Do you need me longer? Like I'll I'll stay. Like we kept her obviously for (laughs) well over half an hour and, uh, she's like, I'll stay. And I'm like, no, we, we, we honestly didn't mean to keep you this long, but she was totally there for us. And, um, anyway, I, I appreciate it so much and let's, let's try and get her back on the show. I, I think we should revisit that. I, th- I think Sarah, you did pretty good on getting getting closer to the mystery of is Tessa Virtue going to be getting hitched, and am I going to be singing at the wedding? L- let's remind our radio <laughs> listeners that there's an extra segment on the podcast that you can hit up in your iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. And you're going to want to know exactly what the conversation was. Um, thanks for coming along. Hit that subscribe button so that we show up in your inbox week after week after week. Um, yeah. Thanks for being here today, guys. Sarah, Adam, enjoy your 18-degree weather. I'm just going to go out and cut glass with my breasts. <laughs> <laughs> Jan Arden Podcasts, wishing you a lovely afternoon, evening, morning, wherever you are. Totally do. 